0: Today's program is brought to you by Heritage Foods USA, the nation's largest distributor of heritage breed pigs and turkeys. For more information, visit HeritageFoodsUSA.com. I'm Damon Bolte, host of The Speakeasy. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more.
1: here at the Birdas on Animal Instinct. I'm your host, Celia Kutcher. I'm also known as the Food Healer, and I'm really excited about today's episode. I'm talking to Todd Emko, who is the founder of Darwin Animal Doctors, and they're in the Galapagos Islands, which is a place really particularly close to my heart. So we're going to talk about what they do and what he does and all this good stuff, and I just want to get started. So, Todd, are you there?
0: Yes. Hi. How are you?
1: Good. How are you?
0: I'm doing great,
1: thank you. Oh, thank you so much for talking to me on Halloween, and Happy Halloween to you! <laughs> I hope you're having happy a Happy Halloween. Day. <laughs> very spooky. <laughs> I know, right? It's like a haunted radio station here today. <laughs> so, and if you're lucky enough, you can hear the background music. We've got a uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show's playing outside, so we kind of have like theme music in the background, which is very special for today. So, <laughs>
2: perfect. Perfect.
1: (laughs) So I'd love to get started with you. And um, let's start at the beginning. I mean, what is Darwin Animal Doctors?
0: So Darwin Animal Doctors is a nonprofit, and we provide free veterinary care and humane education services to places around the world that have no other options. And so our first and our flagship clinic is in the Galapagos Islands. Year-round, we provide free veterinary care to all the animals of the Galapagos and give free humane education so that we can arm the locals so that they can save their own future.
1: Nice. And so, like, what are some of the issues that are pretty typical down there?
0: Well, um, as always, in any precious ecosystem, especially a World Heritage site that has some of the last of the marine life around the world that's been emptied out in the rest of the oceans Mm. that everyone still wants, Mm. Um, poaching is always going to be a big issue. But also, a lot of other issues that people wouldn't really know about are happening on the Galapagos. Like, most people have no idea that the Galapagos has thousands of dogs and cats all over it, actually. And so before we actually started, yeah, and before we actually started making Darwin Animal Doctors, the first time I actually went to the Galapagos, along with my co-founder, Andrea Gordon, Mm -hmm. we had no idea that any of this was happening. We actually went down there for marine conservation. We were going down there to patrol the marine reserve with uh, the Ecuadorian rangers to make sure that uh, the poaching was being curtailed. Mm-hmm. But every time we docked on land, we saw that the Galapagos Island, the actual land, was nothing like people had imagined around the world, that there are entire towns, cities, highways built yeah. on it. Yeah, um, And there's yeah, there's thousands of people living on the islands, and they've all brought their dogs and cats. Okay. And, because no one knew that this was happening, no one brought any infrastructure um, to help alleviate the problem. Yeah. So there was no permanent year-round veterinary clinic that was spaying and neutering the animals, Ugh. teaching the people why they should and how to take care of their animals yeah. properly and how to make sure that their animals don't interfere with the wildlife because you know, cats predating on wildlife totally. or reproducing and dogs you know competing for um, territory with sea lions or the worst case is animals bringing invasive animal diseases that could wipe out the wildlife. Those are the biggest issues that were happening there. But the fact was that since no one knew it was happening, no one was actually doing anything about it, even though the simplest thing to do was to bring veterinarians there to help alleviate the issue.
1: That's a, I mean, that's a trip. It's like before uh, we did this interview, I was emailing with Todd and told him that I was in the Galapagos in in 2000. And he said, well, a lot's changed since then. And it's like, I'm shocked hearing this right now. And so like, are there dogs and cats like on all the islands now? Or are they just kind of like on the populated ones?
0: Uh, They're mostly on the populated ones. Once in a while, you'll see that there are invasive animals on some of the other islands, but usually, um, more than dogs and cats, usually they're goats, believe it or not. Because, yeah, well, (laughs) the reason why there were goats on the Galapagos is because um, it started a long time ago as as a habit among the seafaring people that would pass through the Galapagos. Um, It would be a long time before they would ever see land again, so this station that was, you know, this, this series of little islands that was over 600 miles off of the coast of the continent, mm-hmm. they would deposit goats on the island so that when they came back, totally. they would be able to have, of a food to pick up on their way. Um, but the goats completely took over. Okay. So whenever they go onto an island, they, they take over a lot. And they're there are, there's, you know, it's it's a very intense topic, and we could do like three podcasts on the goats alone. <laughs>
1: oh, I'm uh, amazed here.
0: Yeah, but the um, the long story short about what they did was that they actually did a program called um, Project Isabella, uh-huh. where they they hired. Like military snipers oh and uh, helicopters, where they, they actually like shot dead like over a hundred thousand goats on the island wow. um, in order to take it. I mean, like there's so much that's that's just bad about the situation in general. Wow. That <laughs> obviously, oh but uh, yeah, as you can tell, there's a lot going on in the Galapagos and of a nature and of a degree that most people don't know about.
1: I mean, I'm sitting here with, like, my jaws on the floor, my hands over my mouth. Literally, I've, like, caught myself in a reflection, like, oh, my God. I'm, I'm absolutely I – mean, I don't I'm even know what to say because, like, when I was there, I mean, obviously, I went with with my family as a tourist. And so, you know, you definitely don't see all of it. Like, we did go to – I guess it was Floriana. I'm not sure. I don't remember which, tem- which island we went to that was populated, and I'm sure it's the one that everyone go- went to at- for lunch and stuff. But at that time, there were real limitations about who came in. So, you know, we were seeing the absolute idyllic perfection of all of it, really. And so, I mean, you would have no idea. Obviously, the goats were there when I was there. They didn't just show up recently, you know? And so... Hearing about invasive species that are like, you know, brought by humans is like, oh, here we go again, you know?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, the thing is that there's a lot of people that want to help turn the islands around. Mm -hmm. And in fact, a lot of the locals that have been there forever want to help out. But the problem with people invading an area is one that no one's really been able to tackle too well. Um, And even if people really want to help make the problem better, if there's something happening like, you know, three international airports being built on the island. Oh, my God. It's like, well, if you're a guy who's or a family or a person that wants to help, what do you do yeah. against that? If you are local and you have no, you know, background in how to protect ecosystems and stuff. Yeah. And so one of the big things that we like to do is partner with the local government, which is also doing its best. Awesome. too. Like working with, like, yeah, um, the local uh, government office that's in charge of all invasive species or mm-hmm. introduced species is called the ABG, mm-hmm. um, which in, it translates from Spanish into like the agency to um, protect biodiversity mm-hmm. on the Galapagos, and they are a you know local government office. So they you know they have their work cut out for them uh, with the problems that they're facing, obviously. Yeah, so sure. Um, We try to help them out as much as possible. We help them out with veterinarians, um, accompanying them on veterinary campaigns to do spay-neuter, but even more importantly, do the humane education. Mm -hmm. to teach the locals, hey, if you want this to stay this pristine, if you want this to be something that, you know, your children and theirs can be able to enjoy and, you know, be able to live here yeah. um, without like everything being decimated, then here's some things you can do. And that is arguably even more important than the veterinary care, which we do as much as we can, but mm-hmm. there's only so much we can do. Uh, we actually came to that conclusion maybe in 2011 or 12 when... Possibly every day of the summer we were at maximum capacity at our clinics before seven thirty in the morning. Holy cow. And we didn't even open it until eight o'clock. Oh my God. So with that, with that we could do that, you know, until doomsday. But yeah. it wouldn't make a, a you know, a big impact unless we actually help the locals, for better or for worse, they're the ones who can and will, yeah. you know. TV Islands. Absolutely. They're the locals.
1: No, I, yeah. love what you, I love what you're doing and it's really, really smart and it's, it's so funny because, I mean, honestly, when I asked you that question, I was expecting you to say like, you know, sea nets are, dry, are like drowning all the boobies. Like, I was not expecting, I was expecting <laughs> it to be, you know, like one of the indigenous species, not like goats and dogs and cats. It's like, holy crap. So it's it's, <laughs> I'm like, uh-oh, I've got to rethink this whole thing real quick. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, you know, yes. what's interesting to me, too, is that it's, it's nice to hear that there is a lot of um, pride. Because when I was down there, and the day that we did spend on the populated island, I was talking a lot to the locals because I speak Spanish and was having conversations. And there really was a lot of pride of the island and a lot of pride of where they were and, like, really loved the space. And so it's nice that you've got those guys there and that, I mean, I'm assuming they're willingly being educated, like they want this information.
0: Yeah, um, a lot of the times the only issue is that no one has given them the information or, you know, the ammunition to do what, you know, deep down inside they know that they want to do for their world and for, you know, the world around them. Um, To give you an example of what that's like is that when we first went there, a lot of people told us, Oh, like, you know, a lot of these locals are just so they hate animals, there's no getting through to them, forget it. Mm. Like, you know, you're, you're on a folly or on a fool's mission. Mm. Um, you know, a lot of the kids are going to, like, you know, hurt animals for fun and mm. stuff like that. But we found out that there just wasn't any uh, permanent year round humane education. That they're living in the Galapagos, they're living in a UN World Heritage Site, yeah. known for its, you know, worldwide for its beauty, but there weren't people teaching them that fact, number one, year around, and number two, why it was so special and how they could protect it to be so special, and teaching kids how to take care of animals. So nice. after we actually did some uh, programs for humane education with the children, those same kids that people were telling us to write off we're actually making their own humane education groups and teaching adults why they should take care of animals. And wow. when we actually told them, when they asked, "Hey, will you give us some leashes and collars and work with, you know, one of our sponsors, Lush um, Cosmetics?" Oh, nice! In order to, oh yeah, yeah, in order to, because they actually funded our first humane education program. Wow. And so, yeah, so they're awesome, and so they came to us uh, with us to the Galapagos once, and they. Um, met some of the kids that we were helping to teach, and when the kids asked us, can you help us with some of these materials so that we can teach adults how they can take care of their dog mm-hmm. give them like poop bags so that they can pick up the dog's poop so it doesn't spread disease Seriously. and we all said sure like, you know Lush said we would love to help they actually put their hands uh, over their face they started crying and oh. we said what's wrong they said they said yeah you know, we never thought anyone in the world cared about us who lived here to actually help us save animals when that's all we want to do oh, wow. and so that <laughs> broke our hearts we said yes we'll do whatever it takes to, to help you guys save the animals
1: Wow Oh God, you just gave me goosebumps That's wonderful That's really, really wonderful And it's, it's so, so important Because it's you know the kids are the ones that are going to do it And if the kids teach the adults Then they feel really cool Because they've got the knowledge And the adults are going to listen So that's a really nice program And so how long has this been going on now?
0: So uh, Darwin Animal Doctors officially formed in 2010, and we've been growing ever since. Even when we started in 2010, we had been trying to, you know, um, cultivate veterinarians working there for a while, but we didn't even have a permanent clinic. It took a while for everything to come together, yeah. and now we actually not only have a permanent clinic there, we are actually have a amazing Agreement um, that is pretty historical with the Galapagos National Park because you're in a World Heritage Site, and even if you're a veterinarian or you're a local, no one is allowed to touch the local wildlife. Mm. Um, it's it's against law, and so through years of working there, we were actually able to work with the National Park, and they. Gave an agreement where we are able to help the system in, in taking care of any animals that they find that are injured or sick because of human interference, which is amazing. We're a bunch yeah. of you know mostly foreign vets coming in, and uh, in this very delicate environment—that's the you know the pride of, of Ecuador—they're allowing us to help them in this way. So we're, we've been really stunned when we realized we apparently worked there long enough with that community to. To cultivate that that matter of trust.
1: Totally, totally. And if you don't have that, you're not getting anything done.
0: You know. Yeah.
1: It's really. Um, Did you have any idea this was going to be this successful?
0: um, At the time, all we thought was panic because this place needs veterinarians. What do we do? Let's form uh, uh, an organization that can bring animals in, uh, that can bring animal doctors in from anywhere. We can find some volunteers, Mm -hmm. and we didn't even. We didn't even imagine that we would be actually not just doing this in the Galapagos, but now being invited to do the same project in other countries.
1: This is such an honor. This is so cool. Oh, thank you. I mean, thank you for doing it, you know, because everybody stands around and goes, wow, somebody really should do something about that, you know, and it takes a really (laughs) special person to be like, you know, roll up their sleeves and actually even research it. And it would seem like just such a mammoth, mammoth undertaking. I mean, the Galapagos covers, I mean, how much land do they cover?
0: Um, The Galapagos Islands are actually really small. The main island, the most populated island, which our headquarter um, clinic is on, Mm -hmm. that has the most population, is only about 30 miles across. So these are not a large amount of space, but they house an amazing, you know, collection of species and endangered species and unique species that you'll never find anywhere else. And it's a really important uh, point on migratory routes, it's a really important marine world heritage site um, that can p- protect some of these really rare sharks and yeah. tuna and, and you know unique species of sea lion. So, it's a very small amount of space, but it's really difficult to protect, but really worth protecting.
1: Totally. Totally. And on that note, we need to take a break. I am talking to Todd Emko, who is founder of the Darwin Animal Doctors in the Galapagos Islands. We're going to be back in about a minute and a half, so just stay tuned.
0: Music for this commercial break is brought to you by RecTech, and this track is called Field Trip World.
3: I'm Mike Edison for Heritage Foods USA, and I want to tell you a story. Sam Edwards of S. Wallace Edwards & Sons has been one of Heritage Foods' greatest partners and a Heritage Radio Network sponsor for many years. Sam produces some of the greatest ham in America, cured in an old-world style for up to 400 days until they are perfect and ready to serve. Sadly, though, Sam's entire facility in Surrey, Virginia, was destroyed by a fire early this year, including his smokehouse and literally thousands of hams. It was an incredible blow to everyone that is part of the Heritage Foods USA chain. We now have thousands of hams that Sam normally would have smoked and cured. Our entire network of family farmers who depend on Sam's business every week were potentially devastated by this loss. Incredibly... Our extended community of cure masters came together and helped us out by boosting their heritage charcuterie production, starting new curing lines, and helping us turn a disaster into a new heritage foods initiative to better the quality and taste of American charcuterie through the use of pasture-raised heritage breeds. Heritage Foods is now able to premiere a brand new selection of ham, bacon, and salami from true American artisans with generations of experience behind them, dedicated to the art of curing by hand, even as we continue to offer Sam Edwards fantastic hams while they are still available and help him rebuild his business. Heritage Foods USA has been a proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network since day one. We hope you'll visit our website, heritagefoodsusa.com, to learn more and check out our entire line of steaks, chops, provision, gifts, including this amazing cured ham I am eating right now. Wow, this stuff is good. It could change your life.
1: We are back. I am talking to Todd Emco all about Darwin animal doctors on the Galapagos Islands, and I'm I'm blown away by this this interview. Actually, I'm learning a ton. This is so not <laughs> the, the answers that I was assuming were going to happen. Now, I have a question that I want to ask you, and I know that it, I don't know if this is controversial or not, but I've heard a lot of different answers regarding it. So if you know it and if you don't want to talk about it, just say so, okay, and that's fine, and we can pretend this didn't happen. But do you know ever ha- what happened to Lonesome George, the tortoise?
0: Oh, well, no, I mean, do you mean did he actually just die of old age, or, or what happened told, to his eggs?
1: Like like, no, it was like, I went in 2000, and it must have been about, like, 2000, God, maybe 12 or 13. I remember, like, seeing an article that he was killed by poachers, and then I heard someone was like, no, he's fine, and he's right over here. So I was like, I don't know what the story is, and if he's okay, or, you know.
0: Oh, no, no, the, um... Well, uh, I can at least put that to rest. No, he did not get killed by poachers. Okay, good. Um, Lonesome George was, you know, he was well over 100 years old, yeah. um, and he apparently died of, of natural causes, um, okay. but he was very protected, and he was, um, you know, very closely monitored, obviously, yeah. um, but the—what the, he represents— is a lot more tragic than simply how he ended. Yeah. Because what he represented was the fact that there was an entire island of precious, unique, giant tortoises that we couldn't save. Mm. And it was all due to, unfortunately, human interference. Actually, it was the goats that we were talking about that oh, largely kidding. did it. That in the poaching and hunting of, of the tortoises. So um, the fact that he was the last one and that we tried so hard to you know bring the species back him yeah. as much as we could that whole scenario was was very sad that that you know was what it came to but his actual death was not a mystery as far as I know. Okay, and, I mean he, yeah, he was only he was probably less than a mile from where our clinic is in the Galapagos so we encouraged all of our, um, all of our volunteers to go see him before they left.
1: Yeah, I got to see him, and it was really cool. And I mean, just the history from Lonesome George is just amazing as well. I mean, for people that don't know, he was really important, and Darwin knew him. And so if you want to elaborate on that, because that's about as far as I go with that. <laughs>
0: Oh, yeah. Well, if you actually look at these giant tortoises, and and you've seen them, so you know as well, it's like you're looking at a dinosaur. You're looking at something out of time that has been around long before we've been here, and they're going to be around long after, like, you know, you or I are gone. Yeah. And they have this look in their eye that they've seen so much. And a lot of people might write them out as, oh, turtles, what do they do? They don't really think, well, if you're alive for over 100 years, you can't really go that long without just seeing a lot.
1: That's a good point. And yeah. knowing's a thing or two. You know?
0: <laughs> yeah, and they've, they've often, you know, I'll be stressed out about, you know, a campaign or something we're trying to do there, mm-hmm. and I'll just sit with a tortoise. And they'll just kind of give you this look, and I'll, I'll just be thinking, yeah, you've probably seen it all, and um, it was probably a blink of an eye to you, so yeah, I should probably cool it.
1: <laughs> they are really amazing, it's true, because when we went, it was, like, it was obviously at the little area of the sanctuary or whatever, for lack of a better word, because I don't know where it was, I just know it was very heavily guarded, and they were... It was him, and there were probably, like, three other tortoises that were a little bit smaller, and there was a quote-unquote, you know, baby. And the thing is, like, the size of my coffee table. It, when you're watching them, it's like, it's really, it, for me, it was really difficult. Like, you know, I've seen turtles. I've seen big turtles. I've seen sea turtles. But these, I almost felt like they were animatronic because they're so right. big, and they, they're so, like, they are. They're dinosaurs. It's just like, wow, yeah. check these things out. You know, and it's, um... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they're they they're really cool, and they're obviously they're just so chill that it was it was really interesting. I wound up hanging out and watching them for oh my god, probably like forty five minutes or something. Just walking by and quickly glanced, and then just got glued and was fascinated by them. But that's oh, yeah. and what and I'm, there's
0: there's actually um, higher up, away from the main um, port city, mm-hmm. uh, where you saw Lonesome George. That was actually the Charles Darwin Foundation yes it was. the National Park. Yeah, and uptown, like up in the. In the mountains, mm-hmm. there are uh, turtle sanctuaries where they have a giant uh, hollowed out shell of a giant tortoise where you can actually go in and get an idea of how big they actually are oh because a, a full human can actually just wear the shell wow, and it would be the right size Wow
1: yeah. <laughs> wow so when when they were being like when these animals are being poached, are, are they going for the shell or are they going for the meat like is this a trophy hunt
0: um, yeah, a lot of the time it's it's for meat. Unfortunately, um, yeah. or it has been. Um, like the pushing of the turtles has been, uh, or the killing of the turtles, I guess is has been a. Problem that has a history of its own. Again, we could have a podcast on that on its own.
1: I I just want to do Um, you for a season.
0: (laughs) Believe it or not, the bigger threat to them has been the invasive animals. Mm. Um, Like so, more than people killing the turtles. um, Although, I mean, well, to be honest, most like a lot of the people killing the giant tortoises Mm -hmm. over time have been naturalists from the west. Yeah, and so a lot of them came over. I mean. Uh, they, naturalists did things like they tested to see if they could swim by just dumping them in the ocean oh, and things. This is obviously long before yeah. we, you know, as, as society have. Learned not to do stuff like that, but there has been a lot of, there was a lot of damage done before people learned like what the, the rules of good behavior of, of studying animals were. Yeah, yeah. But the bigger issue facing them uh, has always been competition by species like goats. Yeah. Where if the goats even just eat the ground plants and mm-hmm. leave, you know, the foliage on the trees, the turtles are still in trouble because they can't reach anything yeah, that's not yeah. on the ground. So there was a lot of threats to them that if people are just walking around saying, well, well, this area is still green, there's still a lot of leaves on the trees and stuff, they wouldn't realize that no, the turtles are still in a lot of trouble. They can't eat anything. So uh, like a a lot of it keeps boiling down to coming back to invasive animals and how to treat them. And we actually keep coming to the conclusion that one of the best ways to do it sustainably over time Mm -hmm. is always humanely. Humanely is always the right choice. So there have been lots of mass killing campaigns um, using you know poisons and everything, not just in the Galapagos in Ecuador, but like in, in a lot of places. Yeah, and totally. It always comes down to that the sustainable way. If you have a community of people, number one, you know as the population grows, they're going to keep on bringing dogs and cats anyway. The only reliable way to make sure that that is tended to sustainably over time is to do it through humane means, teaching them spaying and neutering, totally. teaching them to put their dogs on the leash, they don't run around, number one breed, um, you know, yeah. out, uh, tail, and number two, they don't get hit by cars and have tragic deaths that way. Totally. And so by doing that, and then not just doing a campaign where, you know, a government office or an NGO is, is getting rid of a certain number of animals, turning the entire community into people who are going to be working for the government of everyone Mm -hmm. is always going to be the only reliable way to make sure in any circumstance that all the population, whether they be animals introduced or otherwise, and the people can have a future together.
1: Absolutely. And, I mean, I think that it's funny because I keep having this conversation over and over and over and over about one of the things that we are losing as uh, peoples, and this is all over the world, is we're losing community. And community is so important, and so many rescue organizations and like guys like you guys like create this community around you know a common thing, and it's so important. And when it happens, it's, miracles can happen. It's unbelievable what can happen when people put their heads together and really want to accomplish something.
0: Oh yeah, and um, when you go to a place and it doesn't matter how much it looks like, you know, people there are a disadvantage or something. If they have the will and they are willing to learn, they are going to be the biggest champions of it, no matter how much it seems that, oh, we need to bring in an NGO. We need to bring in, you know, people from abroad to help solve this, et cetera. Yeah. The problem is always going to be happening from those communities that are already there.
1: Totally. And it's like I lived on an island in the Bahamas that's really not, even in its heyday, it was not a huge tourist island. you know. And so people would show up on their boats and they would, you know, kind of look around. And, I mean, this was, you know, a real island. And so people would look at the locals and be like, well, you know, they didn't go to college, so how smart are they? And it's like... They would do things. There's this one spot on the island, this piece of property, and people kept buying it over and over. It's it's idyllic, okay? But it's a really bad point. And, like, all the Bahamians would be like, don't buy that point, man. It's bad luck. And, you know, people would show up and go, what do they know? And they'd build these incredible homes, and the first storm, their house would be, like, out to sea. You know, and it's like, it's the people that live what they are, where they are know what is going on. So in many cases when, like, they had some, they had an NGO come down for something for, like, just for specs. And it was kind of like, you guys just don't even have a clue. You know, it's like, this could be taken care of, but you got to, like, you know, just because they didn't go to Harvard doesn't mean they're not educated people. And that was something that I've seen over and over. And it's so infuriating because it's like, guys, these guys have been for generations, like they know what's going on, you know, they know where all the fish are, they know where everything is at every moment, you know, and then they come in like science, you know, and they're like we can't find anything, and it's like, go ask Charlie, he'll tell you right there, so, and it always used to make me laugh, oh, yeah. well, you know.
0: It's, it's really interesting, because we often, as people from the U.S., Often go to a place and have the notion that if we go there, that people marvel, like, "Wow, these people are from such a, a wealthy place." And you know, mm-hmm. uh, I came from this fancy college background and everything. But they they uh, often feel sorry for us. It's really <laughs> funny. Um, a lot of them, uh, well, they they feel sorry for the fact that none of our food is real.
2: Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> so,
0: and they they feel sorry for us for our healthcare system. Yeah, I mean, actually, I got sick earlier this year, and uh, my friends in Ecuador were saying, "Oh my God, was, you're sick, and you're you're in the U.S. <laughs> like you've got to get out of there." Oh no! You know? and <laughs> this, the funny thing was, this was right after the earthquake had ravaged Ecuador. Oh God! And so they were saying, "Come down here, you know, like we'll take care of you. You know, we're we're sorry we can't give you too many good accommodations because the town was destroyed by the earthquake, and you have to live in a refugee camp here. But like, we'll give you so much better health." Care,
2: then you oh get it over there. Oh my god!
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's like, and the sad part is, is you could be right. You know, it's yeah. it's just crazy, and it's it's um, it's something that I actually being able to be in that towards sort, of, uh, sort of a situation and actually really learn from you know the people that are from there, no matter where you are, is such a gift, and it's so much more knowledge that it's really like all you got to do is pay attention you know and that's when we become like the world police you know and it's like (laughs) let's see if this works oops sorry anyway never mind you know crawl back off and be like you didn't need that mountain really it's okay you know and so it's it's nice with this show what I've been seeing is that when people are you know people from all over the world are starting to really pay attention so it's it's not just you know one country or one area where people are Spreading from in order to help It's really a worldwide thing and I think we need that the People It's like I think people are starting to catch on That the planet is kind of like all of our Responsibility at this point You know and so like if we all Kind of help out and do a little Thing maybe this will do something I mean I hope I would like to believe Oh that.
0: yeah Well yeah it actually I mean if you go to uh, A lot of remote communities And even before, or sometimes just after a little bit of human education, you'll see that that kind of understanding catches on very, very quickly, mm-hmm. and it makes you wonder, like, what's it going to take for it to happen here? Yeah, no <laughs> so it's easier for it to spread in smaller communities, smaller remote areas, um, and that, like, we might be at a disadvantage from the fact that we're such a big established country of, you know, long time institutions. Um a good point. That, um,
1: yeah. <laughs> it's a really really good Make point. That catch on. Well, and the problem that we have too is that you know, we're like, what are you going to tell us? Ah! And it's like we kind of need to drop that <laughs> attitude a little bit and I think, you know, <laughs> humble up a little bit and just help to save ourselves, you know, but I mean, that being said, what do you think like so it's basically the dogs and just people that don't know better. I mean, are you guys treating any wild animals at all? Are you really just dealing with, like, the ones that are coming in?
0: Oh, yeah. So, um, we're treating the ones that the... We're treating wildlife that the Galapagos National Park will... Contact us about and say like, hey, would you assist by giving veterinary care to this injured or sick animal? Mm-hmm. And there's actually a bunch of rules about it. For instance, if an animal, you know, say a sea lion gets injured by you know a shark attack or something, yeah. that's something that you know we're not allowed to interfere with yeah. um, because that's that's just natural. That's happening in the wild. If a um, sea lion, you know, gets hit by you know a boat or something like that. You know, uh, an engine, then yeah, then they can bring that. That is human interference. That's, okay. Um, us causing the damage, so that's us fixing this the, that problem. Right. And so yeah, so that's in the way that we can help. So we have been very, very pli- privileged in that we've been able to treat a lot of precious animals like the unique Galapagos sea lion species. We've been treating giant tortoises. We've treated uh, lizards and. Um, the native birds of the Galapagos. Oh, cool. um, and, yeah, it's uh, really eye-opening to learn about, you know, what's happening to the animals, and, and it's very telling, seeing the issues that happen there. Um, for instance, there was, you know, a petrel that uh, was sick, and the reason it was sick, we discovered, was that the lights from, you know, town were oh. messing it up, much like the turtles in Florida. You yeah, know, there's the yeah stop the the turtles from getting messed up from the lights on shore. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you you see that, you know, even the smallest things that you don't think about there have an impact. And so every case is very, very educational for each piece of wildlife that we get.
1: I just I just love what you guys do. I mean, do you guys besides I'm assuming that your vets come down as volunteers, do you have volunteer programs for people that are non vets?
0: Oh yeah. Well we um so Oh, well, for the non-vets, well, first of all, I'll go over what we have for the people who aren't coming from around the world. Oh, what we have realized needed to happen is that anyone who wants to volunteer in the Galapagos or you know, from mainland Ecuador, mm-hmm. um, they can just do that. If they want to train to become veterinarians or scientists, um, and either they don't have the infrastructure where they are or they want to have, you know, hands-on training from mm-hmm. people who are trained around the world, they can just come to the clinic. Like, you know, we'll, we'll make them volunteers. We've had people that have gone through veterinary school come, you know, every summer and do their, their externships, like nice. you know, um, training. And, and we're really lucky in that IDEX. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, I know IDEX. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, IDEX um, actually donated one of the most advanced laboratories um, in in Ecuador to our clinic, so that when people come to volunteer, they're actually able to use you know new material, things that are going to have relevance wherever they go, and um, they can get you know um, the most modern procedures and the most modern relevant science that they're going to need in their education. That's that
1: alone is staggering. I mean, that alone for (laughs) anyone that doesn't know, it's not in the vet world. IDEX is this; they're just an Amazing, amazing company, and they're top, top vet supplies, top, top equipment. All the good vets use them. There's, I mean, there are other companies as well, but Addicts is great, and I love the fact, I love hearing this. This makes me feel really good about them, and their products are no joke. So I love the support that you've been getting. It's like, yay. This is so good. (laughs) This is so good. I'm so happy for you guys.
0: Oh yeah, thank you. And uh, yeah, and as we mentioned before, like Lush Cosmetics has uh, has been a long-time supporter of ours, and we're really thankful for them because they've increased our capacity so much. Nice. Now our humane education comic, which Mm -hmm. is actually based on my three-legged dog, his name is Biggie, um, (laughs) is actually now expanded beyond. Before he used to just be like this little animated stamp that Mm -hmm. we would put on, you know, his his little cartoon visage. We would put on all of our humane education material so that like all of our, all of our Materials would have the same mascot, mm-hmm. you know, the same branding on it. But it has expanded, and we actually have a graphic novel about him being a three-legged dog and Aww. his adventures, and him coming from Latin America, et cetera. And, and um, it's actually we're now being taught in U.S. schools, awesome. actually. So. We actually bring him sometimes to schools and hospitals for special needs kids um, after we've taught a program there, and the kids go crazy because it's him, it's him, it's the three-legged dog, you know, it's the superhero. Oh, I'm
1: all over Uh, it. I'm like, I want to meet the mm three-legged dog.
0: (laughs) 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 <laughs> I think everyone should meet a three-legged dog. It'll change your life. It's true. <laughs> so. It's
1: important. They're cool, yeah. man. I just—it's I, like I just want to have you on the show every day or every week for a season because you are the busiest man in the world and you're making <laughs> incredible things happen. I mean, you've just—you've oh. absolutely made my day. I'm in, I'm touched and I'm honored that you've taken the time to talk to me because. You're apparently a very, very busy man, but you're doing amazing, wonderful things. And I want to just say thank you so much for for your tireless efforts here that are actually making huge changes in the world. It's a big deal,
0: Todd. Oh well thank you i mean it's i'm okay so uh, my co founder and I founded the organization but we have we are so lucky that we have attracted some amazing people nice. to help us out you know amazing teachers in the United States who have been writing uh, the humane curriculums uh, that their core curriculum aligned their professional curriculums um the comic is actually um, illustrated by uh, a friend of ours uh-huh. who just loves animals, cool. who's actually like a world famous like graphic novelist for Dark Horse Comics. His oh, name no is Ethan way. Young cool. and he does it because he loves animals and he loves. My dog, Piggy. And we have an amazing team of veterinarians from all over the world. Our um, board member vet is from the Netherlands, who travels the world helping animals. Wow. And so, you know, like, it's, it's... I might be busy, but they're actually qualified to do stuff. So <laughs> <laughs> we're really lucky that we have that team.
1: It's so wonderful to hear. And I mean, your your enthusiasm and your love for all of this is so infectious that I'm sitting here like, I want to go down! Like, what can I do? <laughs> so for people that are listening that want to find out more about you, where can can they get the information so where's your websites and all that good stuff
0: okay so our website is darwinanimaldoctors.org darwin as in Charles darwin animaldoctors.org
1: and then are you on twitter as well
0: oh yeah so we are on facebook and twitter we have links to all of those um on the site and if you just go to facebook and type in darwin animal doctors you'll find us Hosting a ridiculous number of puppies and kittens.
1: <laughs> Sounds like my kind of page.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. Actually, so, so actually, some of the times that we've been making presentations, because like we're really lucky in that you know National Geographic, Lex Fund, um, and um, IGTOA, the mm-hmm. Galapagos have been um, helping us out. And when we make presentations to some of these organizations, you know, groups like, you know, the World Wildlife Fund or yes. the, you know, Charles Darwin Foundation are making these big scientific presentations. And when it's my turn to go up, I'm like, oh, we got really cute pictures of puppies and kittens for you guys.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> like, Look at them, aren't they awesome? Yay! Wow, what a trip, man. I, I have loved this interview I just want to say thank you so much and I could talk to you I'm gonna gonna have you on for a bunch more shows actually Todd has been Uh doing some incredible stuff in is it I feel like an idiot but is it in Sumatra Yeah, yeah yeah Yeah, uh, so. we just went there
0: um, Yeah, um, and Julie and I just went there like in September and it was both of our first time trip to Sumatra and we can't t- wait to tell you all about that
1: That is, we are definitely doing that episode because that's another really really great intense story and so t- you guys are going to be hearing Todd's voice a couple times because he's got good stuff to share with <laughs> all of us so Todd we're out of time but I just want to say again I mean for the 100th time thank you so much I've had a blast and you're awesome and i love what you're doing and I super look forward to speaking to you again
0: oh thank you so much I can't wait to do this again too
1: and so now now you're ready you can get out there and get to the parade if you're feeling better so quick go <laughs> I'm gonna race out there
0: too <laughs> <laughs> from one jungle to another
1: exactly and i've got i even wore my giraffe onesie for in case you were in the studio today so i look like a complete idiot here in the studio by myself it's super fun but i'll post a photograph on instagram because it's the least that i can do for all you guys tolerating my insanity so that being said thank you all for listening i will be back next week with a brand new episode and until then take care bye